Praise God. Well, uh, tonight I want to talk about being prayer and healing transmitters. I want to talk about being a, that you are a transmitter. I want to prove to you and show you from the Word how we are to be transmitting uh, the Zoe life of God. Amen. And you may not have seen it exactly this way, or maybe you haven't even understood it, but probably from the time you were a little, little child, you heard, and you probably say this to your children, Jesus lives in your heart. How many of you heard that from a child? And you talk to your children about inviting Jesus to live in your heart. Maybe you even talk to your little children and tell them that Jesus, you know, lives inside you. Jesus lives in your heart. I know I did with my children. But and sometimes that's about as far as our revelation goes. It's like, okay, we know Jesus lives in our heart. But, and we don't even have any understanding of what that really means. That Jesus lives inside of us. You were a, uh, you were a uh, child of Satan, your father Adam. And so you were a child of Satan, and God recreated you. The Bible says you became a new creation. And he, he, he literally, with his own blood, cleansed you and recreated and gave you a new spirit. And that your spirit is clean. And then the Holy Spirit came inside of you to dwell inside of you. Amen? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the container for the Holy Ghost. And it says in the Word of God that you've been sealed. You know that scripture that says you're sealed? Did you know that word? When you look it up in the Greek, it says you are hermetically sealed which that's like the seal that you put on a fruit jar or canning jar when you can. Amen? And you are sealed. Your spirit, man, is sealed. It is, it is uh, hermetically sealed, just like a canning jar. God made you a new creation, and then He sealed you with the Holy Ghost. And you, I tell you what, you can't, you can't change back and forth. That's why, you know, sometimes some people are some, in some places they teach that you are, um, that you, uh, like you sinned and you need to come get saved again this Sunday because you sinned. But family, it is impossible. You've been sealed. So sin does not change your spirit, man. Now sin affects your body and your soul. The Bible says that when you commit fornication, that it's a sin against your body. It affects your body, and, the, and it affects your soul to sin, your mind and your will and your emotions. And the wages of sin are death. And you'll start, you start sinning and sowing sin, you'll start reaping death in your life. Amen? You'll start reaping death in your finances. You'll start reaping death in your marriage. You'll start reaping death. I mean, death will just be hanging off of you all around. But you're, you're sealed. Amen? Inside. And so it's, it'd be like trying to... It'd be like a... a you know, like, like if you could visualize an orange, maybe this isn't a good example. So for you to become a different, to, to, to change back to the old man would be like turning into an apple and then back to an orange and then to an apple. And today I'm an orange and today I'm an apple and today I'm an orange and today I'm an apple. You can't do it. I, and, it you, and I'll tell you one thing, you can, you, you get saved and once you get saved, you don't get unsaved. 
And I tell you, if you ever go so far to get unsaved, you'll never get saved again. You ain't going to go back and forth. Amen? Now, you can lose it. There is a sin unto death. Once you do that, though, it's over. It's over. You're not getting saved again. Jesus would have to go to the cross again, the Bible says. But I tell you, you don't know it. Like Pastor said, you don't know anybody that has. You don't know anybody. I think Brother Hagin on his tapes talks about one or two people in his whole ministry that God showed him. You know, the one lady that the Lord gave him the vision where the spot came into her mind. Finally, do y'all remember him talking about that and then dropped down in her heart? That one lady and then maybe one more in his whole ministry that had gone too far and had made a willful choice to say, to, to literally say, I, I, Jesus, I renounce you. I don't want you. Somebody can't even use the Lord's name in vain in front of Dam. You know, say the, God's name in front of Dam. And you know why? You know why? See, a lot of people say a whole bunch of things out of here. But you'd have to renounce Jesus. And you, don't, and, and you know, I've heard people, I've heard Christians get so mad that they cuss God. But you know what? It's their head talking. It's their head talking. It's, you, you have to renounce Jesus. I don't want anything to do with you. And not only that, you have to mean it in your heart. It can't be a mad fit. You know, uh, when, when people get to hurting or, or they think that God, and a lot of times it's just because you'd have to blame a preacher. I don't know why I'm talking about this. You'd have, well, I'm going to get to where I'm going. But anyway, you'd have to blame the preachers that have taught them nearly because uh, they, preachers tell them that God took your little rose out of the garden, you know, or something. And so people get so mad at God for things like that, you know. And they get so mad that, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll curse God. They'll, they'll, they'll shake their fist at God and say, I don't want nothing to do with you if you're that kind of God. But you've got to understand, it's their pain. It's their hurt talking. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I have said things to my husband when I was hurting that I didn't mean. You ever said anything to somebody you didn't mean? Sometimes I'll say to him, or I have before, just leave me alone. And I told you what women mean when they say, just leave me alone. They do not mean, just leave me alone. They do not mean it. I don't mean it in my heart when I say that. What I'm saying is, I'm trying to get his attention. When I say, just leave me alone, I'm trying to get his attention. What I'm saying is, I'm hurting, you've hurt me real bad, now do something about it. That's what I'm saying. See, you've got to have the interpretation of these things. You've got to walk in the Holy Ghost. And you, know, that's what, and you know what? God has the interpretation when people cuss Him. Amen? Now, some people, you know... And, and uh, so, so I said all that to say this. You have Jesus inside of you, but do we know what that means? And sometimes we just say, oh, Jesus lives in my heart. I'm going to heaven. But He's in your heart for a lot more than just to go to heaven. Amen? Amen. And, and, and you know, the, the thing is, is if you walk through life with Jesus in your heart, but you never know what it's for and you never believe to activate it, It'll never happen. It's like Colin said, you got to know about favor. you got to believe for favor before it works for you. Most people are believing for the opposite. 
And that favor goes out ahead of us, and it does. It, it changes people the way they act us. After the uh, Sunday night meeting, we went to Wendy's, and Wendy's say it's open till 10. And we went at 9.30, and when we walked in the door, I could tell it made them mad. They were mad. I could tell. They were already kind of cleaning up, sweeping, you know, and they had their, I am going home. And I don't want any more customers attitude on. And so we went in and we ordered. And uh, so you could tell they just huffed the whole time we were in there. They just huffed all around us. They swole up like old toads. You know what being swole up is? You know, do they get, do you know what I'm talking about? They're just puffed up like old toads. And so, you know, I'm not very, I, I, I didn't believe for favor. I just, it made me mad that they were mad because it's like, bless God, the door says 10. And if the door says 10, it ought to mean 10. And, you know, that's kind of how I had my attitude. But pastor, you know, he was different. And so he, actually, we ended up staying until a little bit after 10 because we was talking and everything. And so when we walked out, it was all swole up. And he, so he said, we're leaving. And they were just... Just like that. They were. They were. And he said, no matter how much you beg us to stay, we're leaving. And he, and he just kept on. till you know what they started doing? They started laughing. He got them laughing. He got them laughing before it was over. See, favor, they couldn't, they tried to be mad, but favor wouldn't let them. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, but you've got to believe. And that's the way with Jesus living in your heart. You've got to be believing that this stuff works inside of you, or guess what? See, because it's believing that activates it. It's activated by faith. It's activated by believing. So millions of Christians are walking around with nothing coming out of them because they're not believing anything's coming out of them. Amen? And millions of Christians are walking around without favor. And just because, uh, just because um, they're not believing. I went into a store today and I bought something and they scanned it and it scanned $2.95. I thought it was $2.95. She looked at me and said, How much was how much is this supposed to be? I went like that. She just put void $2.95, put 98 cents. I thought, I'll take that favor, you know. I'll pay 98 cents if you, I don't know why she did it. Favor, amen. When I shrugged my shoulders, she could have just said, oh, well, $2.95 then. But no, favor. Are you believing for it? And are you believing this? Okay, you know what? <clears throat> so, so we're talking about transmitting the healing power of God tonight. I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to probably look at a lot of scriptures for the next few minutes. But that'll be okay, won't it? You'll see it in the Word. I, I want you to get a hold of the fact that Jesus lives inside of you for more than going to heaven, but that you're supposed to be transmitting something. Amen? And 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, uh, <clears throat> And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, 
and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So God is in me, and it's a tangible substance that's inside of me. God lives in me, and when I walk, God walks. That's what He said, I will walk in them. When I walk, God walks. Amen? When you walk, God walks. Where you go, God goes. Amen? And this is tangible, this thing that's inside of me. This is a real substance. This is not a, you know, a little ghost, you know. This is real substance that is inside of me and inside of you. Let's look at Mark chapter 16. We've got to get a hold of this because we've got some work to do here in the last days. God's been showing me this week, and I've been seeing this church. And, you know, we always believe to help people. But I've been seeing this church and, as a spiritual hospital in, for the last days, a last day spiritual hospital. And every one of you in here who know who you are in Christ and have some revelation of this substance that's inside of you, every one of you are like a spiritual nurse or a spiritual doctor. Amen? And there are people to help. God wants to help people. Amen? He wants to help them with their problems. He wants to help them out of the bad situations that they're in. He wants to help people. And we've got something inside of us to help them with. Mark chapter 16, it says there in uh, verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. And then he gives us a bunch of signs there, but I want us to drop down to verse 18. The last sign, he says, that will follow them that believe is they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, I don't think we've really understood this. I don't think we've made the correlation between I've got Jesus on in the inside of me, I've got a tangible substance on the inside of me, and God walks in me, and that it, I don't think we've put two and two together here and, and realized that when we lay hands on the sick, them recovering is not just a... I think we've even heard it say it's just a point of contact. Or it's just a symbolism. In other words, that's what a point of contact, I guess, would mean, is it's just symbolism. In other words, I lay my hands on you and it's symbolic of something. No, when I lay my hands on you, I've got something on the inside and, and, and there's something flowing. Amen. There is something literally flows into you. But if I don't, guess what? If I lay hands on you without knowing that and without believing that, nothing will flow into you. Like Brother Hagin said, empty hands on empty heads. <laughs> They don't, like, like in a lot of churches, they'll have a laying on of hands one time a year when they ordain deacons. They don't believe in laying on hands except one time a year. And they ordain deacons. And that's when Brother Hagin says, empty hands on empty heads. Why? Because they don't have something in them? No, because they don't know they do. They don't know they do and they're not believing. They're not believing to transmit anything into, into them. Amen? And nobody there is believing to receive anything. They're, they think it's symbolism. Just like this. They th that's what they think they're doing. It's something just like this. Just symbol, symbol, right? But there's more to this laying on of hands. Hallelujah. Moffat's translation says they will lay hands on the sick and make them well. 
Hallelujah. Okay, so God's walking in me when I, where I walk, God walks. I want us to read this verse, and I want us to uh, uh, do, look at it just a little different. I think I might be getting ahead of myself here. Kind of, I got something switched in my notes. And so let me, let, let's just go on. Go to Exodus 15, 26, and I'll come back to that in a minute. I got something switched in my notes, and I put little errors, and I thought I could do it that way without retyping. And <laughs> You know, I was taking a shortcut there. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 15, 26. Said, and, he, and, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Look at this. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now I want you to really take note of that. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And if you look in the Hebrew, and it probably says in the margin of your Bible, I am the Lord thy physician. So guess what? You've got a physician living on the inside of you. You don't you don't you you got a doctor living on the inside of you. Amen. You've got a physician living on the inside of you. You've got the Lord thy healer living on the inside of you. Jehovah Rapha is what the Hebrew says. Jehovah Rapha lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to Psalm 103. So when you go to lay hands on somebody, you need to be aware that Jehovah Rapha is on the inside of me. And when I lay hands on you, something's coming in. Something's going in. Hallelujah. Now, we'll talk about this. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute too. Psalm 103. I keep wanting to get ahead of myself. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases. The NEB translation says, pardons all my guilt and heals all my suffering. So we've got this Jehovah living on the inside of us, the one that heals how many diseases? All diseases, not just a few uh, minor diseases, not just minor things, but He heals all diseases and He relieves suffering in people. Hallelujah. Living on the inside of us. Then um, uh, turn to Luke chapter 9. Now this is, a, this is our blood-bought covenant right. Luke chapter 9 verse 1 says, then he called his 12 disciples together, listen to this, and gave them a power and authority over all devils. Not just little devils, not just a few minor devils, but all devils, and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It says he called his 12 disciples. Well, I'm a disciple. A disciple means a learner. I'm a disciple. And you're a disciple. He's given you power over all devils and to cure diseases. Amen? Is this good or what? And he says he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. I tell you what, you're a preacher. And um, I, I'm going to get ahead. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. See, I, I wrote, y'all, you'll read the bulletin, you'll, because I, I had this on my heart today, so I, I did the bulletin for Sunday, so I put some of this stuff in there. But... 
you know, it's important to know because sometimes we're waiting on something or till we get more knowledgeable or something, but you don't have to know the whole Bible to preach. The whole, you don't have to know the whole Bible. All you need is one verse. Amen? And a lot of people think, oh, I, I couldn't preach because, and I'm not talking about getting in front of a pulpit, I'm talking about at your workplace just sharing something with somebody. They just think they couldn't because they think they don't know enough because they don't know everything about the Word of God. But you know what? You know what that is? You know what we're really afraid of? We're afraid. This is what God showed me. The Holy Spirit showed me this. He, you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid they'll argue with us and that they will challenge us. And we know we, we go... I don't want to share anything because they might argue with me and challenge me and I don't know enough about the Word to defend the Word if they argue with me and challenge it. I don't know enough because I really only know this Scripture. I got healed. Maybe you got healed on Psalm 103 verse 2. That bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Maybe you took that Scripture and you got healed on it. And you don't know much else, but you could share that one. And you go, but I, I'm afraid to because I'm afraid they'll argue or they'll challenge you. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, don't let that stop you because the ones that argue with you and challenge you, they're not going to get anything anyway, even if you had the answer. Amen. Even if you knew all the Scriptures, they wouldn't believe you. Amen? So, so, so don't let that stop you. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit... So you don't have to know the whole Bible. I don't know the whole Bible. There's a lot of things you say, well, you, you know more than I know, but there's a lot of times scriptures that I go, yeah, I know that's in there, but where is it? And you know, we become computer dependent. <laughs> Just look it up in the computer, you know. And, and uh, are, are a lot of scriptures I go, I know where it's at on the page. Some scriptures I go, I know it's in Luke and I know it's on the right side of my Bible. But if you were to hand me your Bible, I couldn't find it in a million years. You know, because I got it. I know right where it's at on the page. Well, and you know, we don't need to let that stop us. We're preachers. All of us are preachers. You're a preacher to somebody. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Just turn back a page. And it says, and it came to pass afterward that he, it's talking about Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. I want to tell you, glad tidings means gospel. The gospel is good news. It is glad tidings. It is not hellfire and brimstone. It is not condemnation. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. Amen? So when you preach, make sure you give them good news. The gospel is not standing on the, preach, the street corner saying, God's going to judge homosexuals. That's not the gospel. Amen. And a lot of people think it is. That's not the gospel. Gospel is good news. When you hear somebody preaching and it's not good news, God's tired of sin and He's going to judge you and He's going to judge America. I'm so tired of hearing God's going to judge America. And Corinthians says, I, I, well, let me just turn over there. I don't know where it's at, but I know where it's at on the page. Okay? And I know it's in Corinthians. I've been wanting to show somebody this for a long time. So I'll just show y'all. Okay? It's actually 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll begin in uh, verse 7. 
Well, let's begin in verse 6 because this pertains to us. Who also hath made us able ministers. We're able ministers. All of us are able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But now look at this. Now we're going to read it just a little different. And you'll understand it like you never have before. But if the ministry, instead of ministration, we're going to say ministry. But if the ministry of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious, be more glorious? The ministry of the Spirit is more glorious. Now look at verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation be glory, much more doth, doth the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. What that says is that people that preach condemnation, that's a ministry. The ministry of condemnation. And what they say, says there is there's some glory to it. They will get some results. They will get some results. They will get a few people saved by the ministry of condemnation, by the ministry of hellfire and brimstone. But he said, how, and I'm standing on this, how much more glorious, how much more fruit, how much more is the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness? It is more glorious. There will be more fruit to that ministry. Amen. Amen. So the gospel is good news. It's glad tidings. And we look there in Luke 8, and it says that, that Jesus went about showing. Shoeing means showing. Amen. He went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Family, you're not just to have a word of God for people, but you're to have a ministry towards them. There's something inside of you that is to be transmitted to relieve their hurting, their suffering, and their sickness and disease. We're to not only tell them, we're to show them. And if we believe it, if we go to people and we lay hands on them and we're like, I wonder if this is going to work. Guess what? It's not. Why? Because it takes faith to activate God. Well, they don't know enough most of the time to be in faith. Amen? So somebody's got to be in faith and it's got to be you. Amen? you got to be in faith. What, in yourself? No. You may have just bit your husband's head off this morning, chewed it up and spit it out and stomped on it and huffed out of the house mad. But you get, guess what? You're, you're sealed. Your spirit is sealed. Amen? Your spirit, yes, and yes, your emotions are hurt. And yes, yes, you have not pleased God. Yes, you need to repent. But I tell you, repentance takes just that long. God, Father, I missed it. I missed the mark. But most of us want to carry around a feeling of condemnation for days and days and days and days, depending on how bad the sin was. We feel unworthy. And so we don't believe God to let 
this substance, this tangible substance that's on the inside of us, flow out of us and do the works in the earth that God wants us to do. The devil keeps the body of Christ under condemnation. I know he's worked on every one of you this week in the area of condemnation. It's his biggest thing he uses against the Christian is to keep you under condemnation. That you're not measuring up, you're not living up, you're falling short. You, you know, I didn't do enough, I didn't pray enough, I didn't go to church enough, I didn't confess enough. And undermining our faith. Undermining our faith. Just about the time we really get our faith activated, pew, a fiery dart of condemnation. Amen? Well, hallelujah, it's not going to work anymore. It takes that, I tell you what, it takes that long to repent. And you know, you've got to get to the point where you understand that you're not ever going to be perfect. Some of us are, are uh, we are, you, it doesn't matter how much you grow in God, the mark gets higher. God, it, it's like that, uh, uh, what is that, pole vault. You, you, you jump over it this big and then they raise that little booger. You've got to jump over it that big and then they raise that little booger. Just about the time you get where you can pray in the Spirit five minutes, God will want you to pray ten. And so you're going to have opportunity from now till eternity to miss the mark. And you're going to have to, from now till eternity, you're, you're going to have to resist condemnation. Actually, you won't be missing the mark as much as the devil will just be telling you you are. But all I'm saying is there's going to always be opportunity to do more. To live higher. To live in a higher place. Hallelujah. So, so I have the whole, I have, a, I have the, uh, this tangible substance inside of me. And uh, so I'm going around. And you are, we're walking. God's walking in us. We're to be passing out samples of the gospel. Good tidings. Showing, showing the gospel to them. Let me just show you. Let me just lay hands on you. Now, you don't have to explain to him. Now, when I lay hands on you, the anointing is going to come out of me. Or, this, or the Zoe life of God is going to flow. Don't, don't squirrel their minds up. Don't mess them up. Don't get them freaking out. Man, I don't want no ghost coming in me. Black people really afraid of stuff like that, aren't they, Kevin? <laughs> Woo! They, you know, <laughs> is that right? Oh, uh, so don't, you know, just say, I, I know, here, I'm, let me pray for you. God's going to heal you right now, that headache. And you know, you know, you know, you know, something's flowing out of you. And you know what? This is not just for the unbeliever either. We need to be aware and, and be laying hands on each other and letting life flow, hallelujah, to one another. And we're going to do that at the end of the service, which is coming quick. <laughs> Hallelujah. John chapter 7. Are y'all learning anything? Well, even if you're not, you're getting activated in some things. You're getting some things activated that we've let some things go dormant in the body of Christ. Amen? You can let things slide. Instead of actively using your faith. You're coming in contact with people every day. I go through checkout lines all the time where they tell me how much their head's hurting and things are hurting. And you'd be hurting too if you were standing there eight hours behind the cash register. Hallelujah. And people are stressed and people are tense and people are, you know, 
People need the life of God. And like David Albritton said, if, if, if it's not, maybe if it's not sickness, you know, if it's just the stress or something, you can just say, let me pray. God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. And they're going to be going, man, I feel good. I don't, I don't know what happened when you prayed for me. But something happened. Amen. John chapter 7, verse 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I am a believer, and you are a believer, and out of our spirit flows rivers of life-giving water. We are a divine healing transmitter. And transmit means to send from one person to another. Let's go back to Mark chapter 16. We've already been there once, but let's look at it again. We're going to do some, we're going to bring a little more light to it. Mark 16, one of our, one of our favorite believer scriptures. And these signs shall follow those that believe, them that believe. And we'll drop down to verse 18. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Wade translation says, by the use of my name, they will place their hands upon invalids and they will be restored to health. So we know that we transmit the healing anointing through our hands. So we don't lay our toes on somebody. We lay hands, you know. <laughs> you know, we lay hands on them and we transmit the healing anointing. Glory to God. Uh, let's read this that way. Let's read this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I'm going to get this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall transmit the healing anointing, and they shall recover. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall transmit the healing anointing, and they shall recover. We need to know when we lay hands, we're transmitting the healing anointing, and they shall recover. Amen? And it don't matter if they're in faith or not. Now they can talk themselves out of it. And sometimes they do. They get healed and talk themselves out of it later. You know what I'm saying. And it takes, it takes faith and it takes teaching to maintain healing. does this for people to show them as a sign. These signs. It's a sign. These signs. These signs. These signs. A sign to them. It's a sign. I know it was a sign to me. My, uh, I was uh, not baptized in the Holy Spirit, and my, my grandmother was. And she moved to Seagraves where we lived, and, and she moved there in September. And, and we were excited because I had always been close to my grandmother, and we were excited that Granny and Grandgram were coming to live in Seagraves because we had fun together. And that's about the extent of why we were excited. We didn't know God had all these purposes and plans behind it all. But um, in October... And I worked for my mom. She, my mom owned a florist, and in October was homecoming. And at homecoming, we, I would put, take Colin to, he was a little baby, not a baby. I guess he was about three or four then. I don't know exactly. About four, I guess. And um, I would take him to, to the sitter that kept him and during the homecoming week, and I would go work with my mom. I was a stay-at-home mom, but then that week, I would go work and help her with homecoming because we would stay up. We would work all day and into the night making mums because I don't know if they do this here, but in a little town, every big girl, every little girl, every grandma, everybody has to have a mum, you know, that says, 
a mum. What's a mum? Huh? A, a big chrysanthemum with all these ribbons hanging down and all these bells and footballs and all this kind of stuff. You know, and the longer the better and the more jangly the better and all that. Okay, so we'd make these things. Well, right in the middle of making them one day, all of a sudden, I started kind of just swelling up like a toad. My throat started closing up, you know. Not, the, not mad, but just my throat started closing down and everything. And so I just said, I'll be back in a minute. And, of course, now I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I don't know anything about healing or anything. And I just jump in my Suburban, and I just go down to Dr. Redwine's office, park in front, and I come in and I tell him, uh, I'm swelled up and broken out, and my throat's closing down. I didn't even know it was serious. They didn't. It was like, get back here now. And they shot Benadryl in the vein and because you know you can start closing down and not breathe and so and I just went back down just like you know it was just like sticking a everything just went back down so I go back to work and and then so about ever you know I'd go a half a day and all of a sudden here I'd go again. I'd go back and Dr. Redwine and put Benadryl in the vein. And I'd, and he's like, what are you having an allergic reaction to? I don't know, you know. And so my grandmother, she said, so this is like happened three or four days in a row. And so my grandmother said, well, I talked to her on the phone. She says, can I come over and pray for you? And I said, oh, sure, I don't care. So she came over to the house and she laid hands on me and she prayed. And guess what? It never happened again. Now, that was in October. January 1, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why? God gave us a sign. He, he, he gave me a little sign. Oh, wasn't that good? Of course, then you think you're going to get healed like that every time. You find out later you're going to use your faith to get healed. Amen? But there's a sign. God's waving a sign. Amen to me. He was saying, come on, Debbie. Come on. There's more. There's more. Hallelujah. That's what he was saying. So God wants to do that. Praise God. Now turn to, uh, uh, well, we've already looked at this, but I had y'all go back too soon. Well, no, let's go on. So we take what we have inside of us. I don't know. I'm, I, I, may, I tell you, I hope I'm getting this across to you because my notes are kind of a mess tonight. But anyway, I'm getting this to you. <laughs> we take what we have. Now, this is what we have. We have this tangible substance on the inside of us. God has told us, because we're disciples, that he has given us power over all devils. He's given us power uh, to pray for the sick and lay hands on the sick and to transmit the healing anointing. Okay? We know this. He's told us this. And so we are supposed to take what we have and use it. But I, I, wanna, I just want to explain this to you because the church has kind of scrambled this up and made it difficult and tried to do things we weren't called to do. And what we've tried to do sometimes is involve the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit don't concern us. We need to take what we have, what we already know we have, what we know we've been given... And we need to not concern ourselves with the gifts of the Spirit. That's up to God. Amen. Amen. And He'll let us know. If he, if he wants to do something besides lay hands on the sick. Amen. And they shall recover. So we need to get to believing in this zoe that's on the inside of us. 
and start using what he's given us. Now, we also, I, I just, the Holy Ghost pointed this out to me. Did you notice that he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Sometimes we try to add other things into that scripture. If we would just lay hands on the sick, those that are diseased, let me just give you an example. Let's just say somebody pulls in here and they got two legs. They, they've had their legs amputated at the knees. Sometimes we want to take Mark chapter 16 and say, they're sick, I'm going to lay hands on them, and they're going to grow legs. Uh-uh. They're not sick. They're not sick. They're not sick. You can't take Mark chapter 16 and lay hands on them and grow legs. And we've put some of that kind of stuff in there. Sick is sick. Sick is diseased. Sick is uh, uh, infirmed. And that's who we're supposed to lay hands on. We need to leave amputees and those kind of things. We've got to leave that over in God's court. Amen? Take, for instance, we'll just talk about Brother Jim Brooks. You know, if you used to call him up tonight and say, Brother Jim, are you sick? He'd say, no, I'm healthy, I'm well. Well, I know for sure he has a finger or two missing. I don't know how many, but I remember seeing he has some fingers missing. But he's not sick. He's well. Now, he may be believing for fingers. I don't know. Or like David Albright, and he's got an eye missing. I mean, he's got an eye that doesn't work. But is he sick? No, he's not sick. Amen? I can't lay hands on him and believe because that don't fall under sick. See, we, do y'all see how we need to do what the Word says? Lay hands on the sick. These signs shall follow them that believe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I don't know where we got it that we need to lay hands one time. I can understand why we need to pray one time. Because if I go to God over and over, Oh God, please heal me. Then tomorrow I go, Oh God, please heal me. And then the next day, Oh God, please heal me. Guess what? I'm not believing. Amen. Because the Bible teaches me in Mark 11, 23 and 24 that when I pray... I need to believe I receive right then. Hallelujah. And you know what? We, we shouldn't even pray until we're ready to believe we receive. Sometimes we have to do homework to get ready to believe. Because you know, sometimes, and sometimes we think, oh, you know, we're in too big a hurry. The devil pressures us. And he tries to get us to pray prayers where we're not in faith. He tries to get you to pray prayers. The devil will say, pray, you need to pray, you better hurry up and pray, you're going to pray, you better die, you're going to die if you don't pray right now. You know, he does. He tries to pressure you. And you don't even, and you know, that you, you don't, you, sometimes it might take you several weeks or several months. I, I was listening to one of Larry Hutton's times, I don't know if anybody else bought that set, where he said uh, on there that he got, a tumor came up on his back. And he just, he, did, he just deliberately went a lot. He just, he just waited and waited and waited and waited and waited week after week after week without praying. Just saturating himself in the Word. Saturating himself in the Word. Listening to his own healing, he, Heaven's Health Food that we have. And I listen to that one all the time. Boy, it's good. And he just, he just listened to it and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it week after week after week after week after week until something exploded on the inside of him. And he said, I'm ready to pray now and I'll pray 
And in two weeks, the thing was gone. No, he said two weeks. For two weeks, it got worse. For two weeks, it got worse after he prayed. And then a week later, it was completely gone. But he didn't pray till the Word exploded on the inside of him until he was in faith. We pray too quick. We get sick and we think, i got to pray, i got to pray, i got to pray, i got to pray. No. you got to get in faith, get in faith, get in faith, get in faith, get in faith. You don't even need to come up here in front of the church. Now, I'm going to tell you this, but I wouldn't tell some people this. This is the Wednesday night crowd. Because some people can come up here and these signs shall follow them that believe. I believe I'll transmit the healing anointing. But you don't even need to come up here until you believe. Amen. Amen. Until you say, bless God, the minute he lays hands on me, I'll be healed. Till you know it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now don't get under condemnation. Don't get squirreled up. Because we're fixing to lay hands on all of ourselves. All of, we're going to lay hands on each other here in a minute. And we're going to transmit what's on the inside of us. The Zoe life of God. We haven't talked about that a lot tonight on what that tangible substance is. But I'll tell you what it is. It's Zoe life. It's Zoe. It's eternal Zoe. Eternal life. You know, when God said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life, He wasn't just talking about going to heaven. He is talking about you having eternal life. You've got eternal life on the inside of you. You've got Zoe life. You've got the life of God in you. And your hands are booster cables. Now, or you could say it this way, you're the hose. Now I tell you, the body of Christ has, and we're closing with this, has diminished the anointing. Because we have said, oh, Brother Benny, oh, Brother Benny, he's so anointed. And you know, even some of you may have said, oh, pastor's so anointed. Or Miss Debbie is so anointed. Or maybe you even think, man, I'm anointed. <laughs> I know there's people that think they're anointed. I've met them before. Uh, uh, anyway, but you know, it's like you're just a hose. And it would be like us going into our backyard and turning the water on in our garden hose to get a drink out of it. Carter loves to drink out of the hose. And it'd be like turning it on and us seeing water come out and going, oh, praise the hose. Praise the hose. Praise the hose. We just praise the hose. Isn't the hose anointed? You'd think, oh, there's something loose in that. You know, you're a hamburger short of a Happy Meal. I mean, you are just... You are just not, something's not right here. Because you'd go, that's idiotic. I mean, it's the water that's special. It's not the hose. It's the water we want. And see, you're, you're, you and I aren't anything special. We're just hoses. We're just booster cables. Hallelujah. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. Brother Benny's not special. You know what? It's all divine. It's all sovereign. It could have just as easily been you. It could have just as easily been you. It might be. It could have just as easily been you. He didn't earn it. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He is average, ordinary Joe. It's a sovereign gift placed in the body of Christ to help people.
But he's just a hose. Now, I want to tell you, I'm saying all that not to diminish him, but I tell you, I believe in the body of Christ. We diminish and limit the anointing that would flow by getting so excited over the hose. If we'd start getting excited over Jesus and what's flowing through instead of, oh, Brother Benny, hallelujah, or anybody else that's hallelujah. And see, sometimes we think, see, because Brother Benny has a healing anointing, you know what they do? They get him on TBN. They ask him every question in the world about stuff he don't no more know anything about than a big-eyed bug. And then he messes up. I'm not talking about him. I really appreciate his gift. But just because you've got a healing anointing don't mean you're an expert over here on this subject. But see, we, we think the hose. It's the hose. It's the hose. It's the hose. The hose is so wonderful. The hose is so great. He must know a bunch to have that thing flow, that anointing flowing through him. No, he don't. Now, he probably knows quite a bit about how to cooperate with that anointing. He could really help us know. I'd like to talk to him and ask, how do you get that flowing and how do you cooperate with it and how do you keep it flowing? See, he knows that stuff because he's learned it. He's practiced. He's, he's experienced it. But we go over here and ask him, well, um, okay, Brother Benny, now how do, you, how do you prosper? Now, some preachers are smart enough to know things like this. I know uh, T.D. Jakes had in... Uh, Leroy Thompson into his church and I heard said and I don't even know who told us this that brother TD said I don't know a thing in the world about finances don't know a thing in the world about them he, he said you know what I know how to do is woman thou art loose and you know getting people free that's what he knows and he's good at that but see, we can get, you can get so squirreled up listening to good faith preachers on the wrong subject. Now, th I, this is pastoring right now. Like Joyce Meyer. I tell you, I love her. I've got tapes by Joyce Meyer. But I want to tell you something, Joyce. If you want to get free emotionally, if you want to get yourself straightened out in how to relate to people, there is nobody better in this whole world. But I wouldn't listen to her on healing and faith telling you she'll squirrel your mind up so bad? Y'all send her the tape if you want to, if this offends you. <laughs> you gotta know. David Albritton. Now soul winning, but if y'all take his tapes and try to learn how to get healed on them, you're gonna get messed up. You're gonna get messed up. He's, he, we brought him in to teach you soul winning. And that was it. We didn't want no more information from him. He is an expert. You could tell when he preached. I never heard any. I have never heard anybody that good on soul winning. I've never, bar none. And you know why we had him? Because people in word of faith circles don't know that. I don't know any word of faith preachers preaching soul winning like that. But he's, he's come from an Assembly of God background. I'm just being, boy, this is brute honesty. And you get him talking about faith or prosperity, I can tell you he, he, had, he had about that much faith when it came to finances. About as big as my fingernail. And I'm not putting him down. We were with him. 
So you got to, boy, you got to be smart. You got to know. But some of you, and I'm telling you this because you go, man, he was good. And maybe he was your kind of preacher because different people like different styles. And they go, man, now that's my kind. Now I tell you, Larry Hutton, he was my kind. Because you know why I liked him so good? Because you know what I raised my, my, I was raised up on? Good old just Bible teaching, faith teaching. So that is my, but some people like those fiery preachers, you know, that sweating. But I wasn't raised up on sweating and slinging preachers. So, and I like them, but the thing I like best is just, boy, just teach the Word. Just teach the Word. And we need all kinds. We don't just need one kind. Amen. But sometimes you get one, like a lot of people like John, ha- John Hagee. You talk about an orator, a statesman, gifted, but he'll mess you up on healing too. He will. See, and you've got to know this or you'll say, or you'll take the whole cup of tea. And you'll, you'll order out all of their tapes. No, they're good in one area. And I'll tell you this, now here's something you need to know. Pastors usually have to be good in more than one area. But these guys are specialists. They are specialists. And so when you, when you are sick in one area, go to the specialist. When you need faith for finances, there ain't nobody better than Leroy Thompson. And he, you know, he's probably good at a few other things too. He's a pastor, but that's his specialty. That's what God told him to specialize in. Now, this is good pastoring. I realize that you could say, she's talking about people. She's putting, I'm not putting them down. I love, I tell you what, I love preachers. I love, but I like to discern because you can get messed up. Because here, I was going to tell you, here's what some of you do, because I used to do this. You know, because I just, Joyce Meyer helped me. Oh, I tell you, she helped me with emotions, you know. And so it's like... So the first time I heard a set of her tapes and she started talking about healing, I'm like, and so you go, well, maybe she's right and maybe I'm wrong. Because see, I loved her so much. I trusted her so much. I thought she was so wonderful. And I thought if she had a revelation in one area, she must have a revelation in all areas. No. And you know, we, we as preachers make mistakes by trying to teach things we don't, we're not experts in. We need to stay in our expert field. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But you as believers, you're supposed to know. And you in this church, we want you to know. If you need to hear faith, get you some Brother Hagen tapes. Get you some Larry Hutton tapes. I tell you, I've got healing tapes by Larry Hutton, and he's everything that Brother Hagen is and more. He came up under Brother Hagen. I love his healing tapes. He's awesome. If you want, if you want to know who to buy healing tapes from, you come ask me. And I'll tell you who not to buy them from. If you want to know who to buy prosperity tapes from, you come ask me and I'll tell you who not to buy them from too. I could go some more places, but I better not. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to stand up. We're through.